When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Inspired Mind Podcast with Ella Victoria. Hey everyone and welcome back to the podcast. Today I have a really exciting guest on the show. So I actually interviewed my dietitian Alice. So if you follow my YouTube channel and my other social media platforms, you'd probably know that I've been suffering with some stomach issues lately. I was actually diagnosed with IBS quite recently and honestly I can't believe it's taken me this long to discover this because I've had stomach issues my whole life and just thought that oh, it's normal to be bloated, it's normal to have stomach pains. And to an extent, obviously, it is normal, but I was bloated like most of the time and quite often felt sick and had pains after eating foods. So I decided to go to a doctor and then a dietitian, and that is where Alice comes into the picture. She is amazing and so, so smart. She seriously knows her stuff and has educated me so much. So it's been a very insightful experience just seeing a dietitian and I can't wait to see how I feel in a few months. I'm already feeling a lot better and I'm just like a lot more aware of what's been going on with my body. And yeah, I just feel like we can only really go up from here. So I really wanted to sit down with Alice and talk to her all about gut health and specifically how your gut health can affect your mental health and how your mental health can affect your gut health because there is a massive connection there. And it's a really interesting topic that I really wanted to explore more. So I asked her a bunch of questions. We talked about all the different types of gut issues that exist, 
what symptoms you might experience if you're suffering with a stomach problem, foods to eat if you're struggling with your gut and like what it's like to go on a low FODMAP diet. And then we also talked about the importance of decreasing your stress levels and how this can have a major impact on your overall health, especially your gut health. We talked about so many different things in this episode. I know you guys are going to learn something, but I just wanted to say before we get into the episode, if the audio sounds a little bit funny and you can hear like the road and cars, that's just because we were recording in the middle of the day and I didn't realize at the time, but the road actually sounded quite noisy. It's really not too bad, but I just wanted to put that out there in case you're wondering, oh, what's that noise? It's just the road, but you guys will probably be clinging on to whatever Alice says, so you probably won't notice anyway. But without further ado, I hope you enjoy the episode and let's get into my chat with Alice. Hey everyone, so today I'm joined with my dietitian Alice. Welcome to the show, Alice. Hey Ella, thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to get chatting. I know, I'm super excited as well. So today we're going to talk all about gut health and how your gut health can affect your mindset and your brain because I've definitely found this myself. I've had personal experience. So I think it'd be really interesting to get into the nitty gritties behind it and just find out why our gut health affects our mental health. But before we get into that, I just want to ask you what's been inspiring you lately. A few things have been inspiring me, Ella. The first thing that kind of comes to my mind though is actually one of my, or my best friend, Ellie. Shout out to Ellie. She's an absolute trooper. Like she is the hardest working person I know, but also just the most down to earth and genuine person. And I think the past couple of weeks, if I'm honest, have been pretty tough for me. And she's just always been there, always been supportive. And I don't know, it's just such an inspiration to me because she makes me really, I guess, realize what matters in life. And I just feel so incredibly blessed every single day to call her my best mate. I think, yeah, people inspire me a lot but mm. Ellie's inspiring me lately. That's so nice. I feel like yeah. nobody's ever actually said that a person's inspired oh, them. Interesting. So that's different. It's really nice. Yeah. So now tell us about who you are and what you do. Okay. So I am a accredited practicing dietitian and nutritionist. I live in Sydney, in Cradala. I basically work in private practice. So that means that I work one-on-one with clients. I see them both face-to-face and online as well. But I also work in like the social media aspect of the business Gut Started which is basically just a new and upcoming nutrition business. We're very, very much advocates for mental health and looking at nutrition from a holistic point of view rather than just the food. Mm -hmm. So I do that on some of the days, you know, help with posts and stuff on social media and marketing and things. So my job's very varied, which I absolutely love as well. You know, I get quite, no, I wouldn't say bored, but like I, I get quite jittery when I'm yeah. doing the same thing over and over again so it's nice and as well like clients and I, I love seeing clients but they do take a lot of your energy from you so it's nice to have different outlets as well so yeah yeah basically that's who I am what else do I do um, I love nature I love getting out I love moving my body whether that be walking running yoga pilates F45, like weights, mm. swimming, surfing, always been into that. And I just love like just the simple things in life, you know, yep. seeing friends, going for a walk, taking time out to journal mm. and things. So yep. yeah. And you obviously love health, which is why you became a dietitian. So mm. can you tell us what led you to pursuing being a dietitian? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually suffered basically throughout my whole high school years from irritable bowel syndrome, which we can get onto a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But that kind of led me to, I guess, go 
down, you know, pathways such as dietetics and, and see psychologists and gastroenterologists and things. And I was very, very lost and confused. And I kind of got to that end of the journey and I was like, you know what? Like, I feel like I could do this better. Like, I feel like I've just been set in a wild goose chase for the past five years. And so I decided, you know, I, I'm pretty okay at science. I'm, I love food. I love eating food. I love talking about food. I love all the kind of science behind food. So, you know, why don't I become a dietitian? But I actually originally was going to become a doctor and then I took a oh, year really? off school. I had glandular and I just needed to reset my body. And so I went traveling and then I got a scholarship to Deakin University in Melbourne for dietetics. And I was like, oh, well, like may as well do this. Yeah. You know, got a scholarship for it. So medicine really wasn't my jam. I think I just kind of had doctors in my family and I was kind of told that it'd be nice to do um Mm. but I feel like my passion was with dietetics and I am so incredibly thankful that I did because it's just the best job in the entire entire world yes would you say that you're really passionate about IBS then or anything in particular yeah Yeah, I'm incredibly passionate about IBS just because my own experience with it I also am quite passionate about like women and women's health emotional eating as well and and eating disorders and also just like educating individuals about how to eat for their bodies and empowering them to eat in a way that helps them and suits them rather than listening to social media or or, or marketing and things like that. And also just like living a life, a full life, you know, and not putting too much pressure on yourself. Yeah. So the issue that I want to focus on today is gut health. And I want to particularly focus on how it can affect our mental health. So could you explain like the connection between the gut and our brain? Yeah, it's really, really interesting. So you've got your gut and your brain, but it's basically connected via what we call like the vagus nerve. And so a lot of science has been done recently about the impact that you know poor mental health has on our gut, but also mm. vice versa, like poor gut health has on our brain. And the reason why, it's literally connected by the vagus nerve. And what we now know is, particularly with people who have irritable bowel syndrome, it's kind of like whether it's the chicken or the egg, you know, a lot of people who have irritable bowel syndrome also have anxiety, depression, mood disorders, but also a lot of people who have mood disorders, anxiety, and depression also have irritable bowel syndrome. So we don't know much about it. It's only something that's coming up recently in literature, but I guess it's very, very exciting. And yeah. we know from you know anecdotal experience from my clients and also from other people's you know clients and also other people's experiences that their mental health affects their gut and their gut affects their mental health mm-hmm. um, one aspect of our gut that's particularly favorable in supporting our mental health is our gut microbiome which is like the little bugs in our gut that help you know digest food digest fatty acids into certain molecules which help our bodies so that's really interesting as well but the data and the research isn't quite there yet but it is very very exciting yeah when did they first like find out about this is it pretty recent I don't know. That's a really good question. I probably should know that. It, we've always known there's a, there's a link. Yeah. Always known there's a link, like many, many hundreds of years ago. But only recently have they started like really looking into it and really delving into the yeah. science behind it. Yeah. Well, it's like when people say, oh, I have a gut feeling when they're feeling yeah. anxious. I yeah. think that's what yeah. they said in the book that I'm reading that you gave me. It just goes to show that when you're feeling anxious, you get a gut feeling. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what's the connection there? Why yeah. do you feel it in your gut? You know? And like butterflies in your stomach and you need to go yes. to the bathroom just for an exam. Um, all that sort of stuff is the result of the gut-brain axes. Yes. So would you say that gut issues are very common within Just people? With people? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I think they're becoming much more common. And we don't know why. 
I have a theory that it's related to the fact that we just are living a much more stressful lifestyle. Yeah. We're also not eating as much, like much fiber, which is super important for our gut. We're not yeah. eating as much fruit and vegetables, which is important for our gut. We're eating more like highly refined processed foods, which aren't terribly good for our gut. Generally, we're smoking more and drinking more alcohol, which isn't supportive of gut health. So all those sorts of things, it explains as to why it's getting worse, mm. but it's very, very common. And um, I don't know, you know, if we had a, 10 people in the room, I reckon about eight would suffer from some yeah. sort of gut issue. And if you found like a lot of the people who have maybe come to you, like clients that have gut issues, it's common that they maybe have something going on mentally as well. Yeah. Like they're suffering with anxiety or depression. 99%. Yeah. Nine, yeah. Without a doubt. Just goes to show how yeah. like there's a huge connection, eh? Hey? Yeah. Yeah. Even if they don't suffer from anxiety, depression, diagnosed, they are highly strong type A personalities. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I've heard before that when you're stressed and stuff, it can create more acid in your stomach as well. Yeah. It just like basically just like overthrows your whole digestive system. And yeah. so one component of our digestive system is to release enzymes, release acid. And then, you know, if we're stressed, if our digestive system is impaired, you know, the release of acids and enzymes are going to be impaired as well. So yeah. And what symptoms would you have if you have a gut issue? Like Mm. I know there's so many different types of issues that you can have, but what are some of the key symptoms to look for? Yeah. So what I will say is gut health, I guess I look at it as kind of a two part thing. So you can have good gut health and really, really poor microbiome. So you could have really no, like no symptoms of gut problems so your gut could be working really well but your microbiome so little bugs in your gut are so unhealthy Mm. you can also have amazing gut bugs but you also get terrible gut symptoms so it's kind of a two-pronged sort of thing unfortunately the tests we can do for our gut microbiome it's not there yet we don't know what's good and what's bad necessarily but from a symptomatic point of view if you have symptoms that are kind of coming most days like gas bloating constipation diarrhea a bit of everything reflux nausea pain like abdominal pain specifically they're kind of really good signs to show, all right, maybe there's something that we want to have a look at. Maybe Mm. this isn't normal. Yeah, super interesting. I remember you saying to me last week when we had our first consultation that just because you have IBS doesn't mean you have like a bad gut flora. Yeah. And I didn't know that. Mm. I thought that maybe just because I have IBS, it means I have a really bad gut. Yeah, no, not at all. You can have perfectly good gut health in terms of microbiome or microflora, but have terrible symptoms. Yeah, there you go. And so once you've like realized what your symptoms are, what are the next steps to getting your body back on track? Yeah. So the first thing is go to your GP. So you need to go to your medical professional to actually say, all right, are these symptoms a result of something a bit more sinister? Mm. So for example, if you're getting constant bloating and you're getting diarrhea, yes, it could be something like irritable bowel syndrome, but it also could be something like celiac disease or inflammatory bowel disease or something that, you know, we need to have a look at through a scope or colonoscopy or endoscopy to kind of rule out those sort of things. If your doctor diagnoses you with irritable bowel syndrome, then the first step is, I think, to go see an accredited practicing dietitian, particularly one that specializes in irritable bowel syndrome, because then they can really delve into, all right, is it food related? Is it lifestyle related? What else can we do to help solve that? But yeah, I think the best that you can do is just seek medical help. Don't go alone on it because that is incredibly lonely and it's just not necessary. And so what type of like stomach issues are there out there? Because obviously there's mm. IBS, celiac disease, mm. and then what other things are there? Oh, so many. Yeah, so many. is this a big list? Yeah, okay. so like 
there's so IBS is a functional gut disorder so that means that there's nothing structurally wrong with your gut it works just not well so that's the result of the gut brain axes uh, basically ill communication celiac disease is an autoimmune condition so it's a reaction to gluten and you need to be on a strict gluten-free diet for the rest of your life if you've got celiac disease yeah inflammatory bowel disease or ibd is also an autoimmune condition where your body reacts to certain parts in your body and Mm. basically causes things like inflammation in your bowel which is very very bad Mm. and can cause potentially cancer or just really horrible symptoms malnutrition um, deficiencies and that needs to be looked up looked after through steroid use and and things like that they're like the three main things that we look out for but there's also a lot of other gastrointestinal conditions because we need to remember as well our gastrointestinal tracts not just our stomach and large intestine and small intestine it's our pancreas it's our esophagus it's Mm. our liver but all those sorts of organs as well are involved so there could be at least a million things yeah and it's not always easy to diagnose is it because obviously some of them you can have tests done for or you can have a colonoscopy and it's quite obvious if you've Mm. got an issue but things like ibs it's kind of harder to diagnose so how would you diagnose it so it's more like a let's rule out everything else kind of situation ibs it can't be diagnosed necessarily like there's no because it's a functional gut disorder there's no nothing structurally wrong so you can't be diagnosed through a test so for example with celiac disease you get tested through certain markers in the blood which shows that you're reacting to gluten Mm. ibs it's a functional gut disorder there's nothing really you can test for the best thing you can do is eliminate everything else a bit more sinister Mm. and then we go through a certain number of criteria it's called the rome 4 criteria which is criteria to help diagnose ibs so there's kind of Three sorts of things, so you know, abdominal pain relieved with going to the bathroom, bloating, changes in bowel movements, and also associated with things like gas fluctuation yeah. things. So there is a criteria for irritable bowel syndrome, but we also want to rule out anything else that a bit more sinister. Yeah. yeah. It's quite frustrating because I feel like IBS gets pushed under the rug a little bit. It's mm. kind of like, oh, it's one of those problems that you can't really fix with a tablet mm. or just – it's not – yeah quick fix it's one of those things it's like oh we just have that and then you've got to move on but Mm. actually there are lots of things that you can do to help ease your symptoms do you want to talk about that a little bit there's so many things so unfortunately because ibs is still quite a novel condition and not very well researched it's really hard Mm. (laughs) and i think a lot of medical professionals kind of put it under the rug because it's a bit hard to deal with because Mm. unfortunately there's no pill we can take there's no diet we can necessarily follow to help with irritable bowel syndrome so a lot of people have felt like they're kind of put on their lonesome and, and they have to figure it out themselves in terms of treatment for irritable bowel syndrome there's a whole host of things you can do and it depends on how your irritable bowel syndrome is manifested so for example if you've got chronic constipation then we want to look at your fiber intake we want to look at your fluid intake we want to look at how you're going to the bathroom whether you hold stress in your pelvis is that a result you know is that resulting in a constipation other things like if you've got gas for example what sort of foods are you eating that might cause gas so looking at potentially FODMAPs potentially sugar sweeteners all that sort of thing if you've got chronic diarrhea are you having enough fiber are you having enough water are you having heaps of spicy foods like all those sorts of things there's so many different things you can do also really really interesting is the impact that psychological support has on people who have irritable bowel syndrome particularly things like cognitive behavioral therapy and gut directed hypnotherapy they have two things that really really help with people who have irritable bowel syndrome purely because 
we know that it's not just a condition of the gut it's also a condition of the brain Mm. and just so you guys know i don't know if like my podcast listeners know but i actually have ivs and i was recently diagnosed and alice has been helping me a lot so i'm currently in the process of trying out all of these things and i'm just trying out like eliminating certain foods and just seeing like what works for me and Yeah, it's a process, but it's been so helpful having you and just Mm. guiding me with it. So would you recommend taking any like vitamins or supplements if you have IBS? There's nothing really I would recommend straight out, like as a blanket rule. I would definitely want to have a look at your blood. So for example, if you're deficient in iron then that's something that you want to take but it's not necessarily because you've got IBS it's just because you know yeah a lot of people who have constipation find that magnesium helps with their constipation because it's a muscle relaxant so it can help with stimulating the bowels other supplements like fiber supplements for example metamucil or psyllium husk or oat bran flax seeds all those sorts of things might help but it also depends on how your IBS is manifested as well so I wouldn't think there's anything, the the gut powders and anything on the shelves that we see aren't um, going to help with your IBS. It might help, you know, one in every 200, but there's no kind of blanket supplement that you need to take if you've got IBS. Yeah, would you say it's more what you eat than like the supplements? Yeah, definitely, 100%. And what's your opinion on probiotics? I'm curious to hear what you think. So I know we were talking about it last week because I feel like there's a few misconceptions around probiotics I feel like I didn't fully know what they did and Mm. I've heard different people say different things so do you think they are something that should be used when you have IBS or like gut issues it's a good question and we don't know a heap about probiotics at the moment in terms of the research so basically what a probiotic is it's a living organism a good organism that we have for helping establish a microbiome a good microbiome sorry probiotics are found in natural fermented products like yogurt kefir kombucha all that sort of stuff but you can also get it through a supplement form from like your chemist and whatever the thing with probiotics is there are certain strains that might help with certain conditions like irritable bowel syndrome and there's some evidence to support that mm-hmm. however it's not for every single person and the reason being is some people who have irritable bowel syndrome have a fantastic gut microbiome so taking a probiotic is not really going to help it because Mm. you're just basically just like putting more fertilizer on a really well fertilized garden it's not going to help much yeah yeah so like for some people though it might really really help them however we don't know whether it's going to help you me or or mate down the road until you try it the other thing with probiotics is there are only specific strains and we know that we have thousands of different strains of good gut bacteria in our gut and so taking a few strains probably won't help terribly much Mm. the other thing with probiotics is they have like a transient effect on your gut so you take it it enters your large bowel it does its job it gets pooed out that's basically it so it doesn't it's not like you're swallowing a seed and it plants this beautiful garden in your your large bowel it just kind of has its effects and then moves on yeah so the best thing you can do for your gut microbiome is just eat an abundance of plant-based foods they have awesome amounts of fiber in them which help fuel the good gut bacteria in your gut and kind of die off the other ones what about prebiotics do you get that from food as well yeah yeah you get it from a whole host of food prebiotics basically feed the good bacteria Mm -hmm. so prebiotics are in things like oats bananas artichoke apples garlic onion all those sorts of foods they're really 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 important to have unfortunately i was gonna say they're high fodmap yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so that's what i was gonna say the reason why they're they're high fodmap foods generally speaking and the reason why is they help feed the good bacteria 
by doing so they also produce gas and yep. gas production for people who have irritable bowel syndrome can trigger things like bloating. Yeah. So that's why they're generally eliminated in the low FODMAP diet for a certain period of time because we know that that will probably help with gas production. Mm-hmm. However, this is also the reason why being on a low FODMAP diet for the rest of your life is not good because yes. that means you're eliminating prebiotic foods, which we need for a good gut microbiome. Yeah. We should probably talk about what a low FODMAP diet is in case people are listening and thinking, what is a low FODMAP diet? I feel like we should just explain what it is. Absolutely. So if you haven't heard of the low FODMAP diet, it's a therapeutic diet used for people who have irritable bowel syndrome. It stands for fermentable oligosaccharide, disaccharide, mono and polyols. So essentially they're just a whole group of carbohydrates that have similar effects on the bowel. They basically um, draw water into the bowel. They ferment in the bowel, which can cause gas production. And all those sorts of things, I guess, trigger people who have irritable bowel syndrome because we know that people who have irritable bowel syndrome have a more sensitive gut and having excess water in the gut and excess gas can cause things like gas and diarrhea. Yeah. So the low FODMAP diet is essentially a therapeutic short-term diet used to help eliminate those high FODMAP foods, replace them with low FODMAP foods, and then systematically reintroduce them to see what you tolerate and what you don't and then hopefully by the end of the the diet we know what sort of foods you tolerate what sort of foods you don't and the levels at which you tolerate those foods and how long do you have to do it for yeah good question it's it depends on the person so the elimination part of it so the low fondant part of it is about I'd say two to six weeks Mm -hmm. depending on how you tolerate it and how good your symptomatic relief is If you get symptomatic relief from that, then we start going into phase two, which is like the reintroduction phase, which could take up to eight weeks. And then the personalization phase is just sitting down and being like, all right, how much of this certain food can we tolerate? So all in all, I'd say about two months, it could be three months. Yeah. And I'm going to start doing this soon, guys. So I'm going to document my journey on YouTube and just share how I go because I'm just really curious to see what foods I actually react to. Like we've been discussing it a little bit and I feel like I'm having a reaction to avocado, which is just making my world shatter a little bit because avocado is my favorite food. (laughs) So... You know, but it's worth it, honestly. I'll feel so much better. But can you give us some examples of like what high FODMAP foods are and Mm. what low ones are as well? Yeah, yeah. I'll just claim it by saying like everyone tolerates different levels of FODMAPs. Mm. So you might, for example, tolerate a quarter of an avocado but not half an avocado, which is the importance of doing a low FODMAP diet and seeing our tolerance levels. Also, like certain types of FODMAPs, like certain foods have different types of FODMAPs. So we discussed before in our in our session, Ella, that avocados are really high in sorbitol. Now they're super fine with fructose, which is the F part of FODMAPs, but sorbitol, which is like the polyol part of FODMAPs, is like, you know, high in the avocados. So in terms of high FODMAP foods, overall we've got avocado, mushrooms, onion, garlic, apples, mango, artichoke, watermelon, peaches, apricots, wheat, gluten. There's so many. (laughs) There's so many. Juices, like some fruit juices as well. Sorbitol in things like 
chewing gum and protein bars and some protein powders also. So yeah, there's a whole list of stuff. But what I will say is don't just research a low format diet and high format foods and eliminate them. Mm. Because what that means is you don't know what sort of component of the FODMAP acronym you're actually sensing to. Yeah. You actually told me about a good app though before that would be really helpful for someone who's trying to eat a low FODMAP diet to just like figure out what issues they've got going on. So what was it called again? It was the Monash Low FODMAP Diet app. So it costs, um, I don't know, around 10 Australian dollars and it's super, super good and super informative for people who are attempting a low FODMAP diet. Yeah, I'm going to get that after this. Hmm. Now I want to talk about laxatives. This just came to my head before because I remember we talked about it last week. I remember finding it really interesting because I feel like some people who have quite bad gut issues get quite constipated, so then they rely on laxatives. And what do you think of them? What are good laxatives and bad ones? Yeah, so there's all these different types of laxatives you can get. So you can get things like, um, I won't say the names of them, but basically some of them that like draw water into the bowel, which is like a more of a, a subtle laxative. So Natural almost. Yeah, yeah. So like they basically draw water into the bowel, which helps with forming stool that's kind of a bit more watery which could be helpful for somebody who has constipation who has like crackly stool um sorry if this is tmi but this is my job no (laughs) then you can get other types of laxatives like your senna and your coloxal which are like more so stimulant laxatives so essentially just play on your nerves and result in contractions of your bowel which release stool like result in the release of stool essentially so there's all these different types um there's also other sort of natural ones like inulin and things which can cause like a a similar effect in that they kind of result in you need to go to the toilet straight away Mm. i would say that laxatives as a whole aren't that great because we're not really getting to the the underlying cause of why you're constipated so for some people without a doubt laxatives are really important particularly if you're on you know a lot of medication and you just can't go to the bathroom because sometimes medication can slow down your bowels Mm. um but for the whole like laxatives selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
aren't terribly great. We also don't want our body to rely on the laxatives, particularly the stimulant ones, because our gut can get really lazy and just mm. go, oh, well, I'm relying on this. I don't have to move anymore. Yeah. And then all of a sudden your gut's just not working and then you need to rely on these laxatives. Yeah. So generally speaking, if you are, if you do have constipation, have a look at why first rather than just having the, the Band-Aid approach of laxatives and looking for more subtle ones like fiber supplements like mm. psyllium husk and metamucil or sometimes mobicol or something like yeah. oat bran or flax seeds first. Yeah, I was going to say, was it flax seeds that you said to me last week? You're like, they can help. And then we were talking about kiwi fruits yeah. today. Did the kiwi fruits help solidify your poo? <laughs> kiwi fruits are, oh, I love them so much. So they are like literally the best thing you can do for your constipation naturally. So kiwi fruits are super high in soluble fiber, which is really good to help draw water into your bowel naturally but also help i guess form a stool bulk Mm -hmm. so that basically helps with releasing your your stool which can help people with constipation it's also super high in an enzyme which acts as a natural laxative as well so it has a kind of double pronged approach if you have issues with constipation the first thing i always ask my clients to do is have two kiwi fruits with skin on a day make sure you wash them and see how you go for a week i'm so excited to try that honestly i haven't had a kiwi fruit in ages and i'm like maybe this will fix so many things for me they're so underrated so underrated yeah so now i want to get back to talking about symptoms so Is there anything that you can do instantly to ease your symptoms? It depends on the symptom. Is there a specific symptom you're talking about? Like stomach pains, for example. You know when like you have a reaction? This is what I'm thinking of because this is what I get when I'm having a reaction. Like my stomach bloats up and then I get shooting pains down the left side. But I know it's different for everyone, but that's just one example Mm. of a symptom. So there's, unfortunately, when you get bloated, there's not much you can do about it. There's certain medications like buscopan and things, which is like an anti-spermatic, which could help with yeah. like pain. What I would suggest is getting like a hot water bottle or something and putting it on your stomach to help relieve that. Mm. Having peppermint tea, peppermint tea or peppermint's actually a natural kind of soother for your gut. So that could be really helpful. Other things like just deep breathing, abdominal breathing, diaphragmatic yeah. breathing, which we chatted about last oh, time. Oh, the best ever. Yeah. Guys, try the Wim Hof method (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that's what I would generally recommend and sometimes taking a bath is helpful for some people but unfortunately when you're bloated there's nothing like a magical cure you can do to help well you were telling me last week about a massage like the I love you massage and I've tried it like when my stomach's been really inflamed I've used it I don't know I don't know if it actually really helps but it just feels like a nice massage on my stomach when it's a bit uncomfortable so I don't know yeah it doesn't instantly relieve pain but yeah well, massage is like an, a muscle relaxant thing. So like the I love you is, is you guys can look it up, but it's basically like how you shape, like the shape of your large intestine and it can actually be used to help relieve constipation and gas. So yeah, yeah if you are gassy, that could be another thing. Actually, I forgot to add yoga is super, super beneficial really? as well. Yeah. So yoga has, um, firstly, it helps with calming your nervous system, which yeah. could be helpful with people who have irritable bowel syndrome. It also, some poses can help relieve gas naturally mm. so yeah yeah, I'm, yeah. Oh, we should talk about the squatty potty oh my god, <laughs> oh my yes. god that just yes. came to me the squatty potty love it so that that's essentially when um i have clients who have constipation one of the first things i ask them is how they go to the bathroom so what's your positioning yeah and they're like what are you talking about like why do you go around how i go to the bathroom never, that's a bit weird. never paid attention <laughs> yeah. before well not many people do and if you think about it you know back in the back in the old ages when we didn't have toilets how did we go to the bathroom we squatted down yeah that's how our bodies are supposed to go to the bathroom 
bathroom. Now we have these toilets where you just sit up straight, you, you know, get on your phone or whatever, and you just sit there with your legs kind of at a 90 degree angle. But that's not really right, great because the way that our, our rectum and our pelvic floor is structured, yeah. it doesn't that doesn't actually help with um, relieving certain muscles and mm. help with the bowel movement. So what the squatty potty does is it helps elevate our legs up so our pelvic floor and our rectum is, I guess, mm. relaxed and so we can have those those natural bowel movements. Yeah. Who created the toilet the way it is now? I know, silly. Yeah, we should reinvent the toilet. <laughs> we should, we should. So now I want to talk about what you can do to figure out what's causing your flare-up. I know we've talked a little bit about this, but is there any other tips that you can recommend? Yeah, um, seeing a professional definitely. So whether that's a dietitian or gastroenterologist or something like that. And it also depends on why you're flaring up. So for example, mm. like constipation, diarrhea, gas, all that sort of stuff. So it's very confusing and it's very complicated. So I definitely you know, suggest seeking a professional yes. for that. What I will say, it's not just related to food. It's mm-hmm. never always just food. So largely um, to do with stress as well. So don't just look at food and eliminate food and the only thing you can do to help see what is triggering your flare up. Have a look at your lifestyle, have a look at your habits, have a look at your boundaries, have a look at your stress. Have a look at how you go to the bathroom. All that sort of stuff matters as well. Mm-hmm. And tracking it is really yeah. helpful as well. That's what I've done this last week because you forget. Like if I don't write down what I ate one day, I won't remember the next day. But it can really, really help you. And even like writing down your boundaries and if you were stressed out when you were eating. And you'd be surprised how much you can uncover. But I also wanted to ask you what your thoughts are on food sensitivity tests. Because this is what a lot of people do when they're having flare-ups. Like, oh, I'm just going to do a sensitivity test because they've heard of them and they think that it's going to just tell them what the problem is. Food sensitivity tests are essentially, they test for what we call like an IgG, which is our reaction to foods. There's no evidence to support a food sensitivity test in helping you uncover your food sensitivities. The interesting thing is with these sorts of tests is IgG is like a natural reaction that we have in the body when we are exposed to certain foods. Everyone has a certain level of IgG in their blood when they have a certain food. When you get these food sensitivity tests, they basically test for that IgG and and they conclude that if you've got this IgG in your blood when you have this certain food or when you, you know, when they do the certain chemicals or whatever, then you're sensitive to it. It's actually pretty much the opposite. So it just means that you've been exposed to the food in the past and you're now getting a reaction to it because mm. your body is smart and it just reacts to certain foods and produces these certain chemicals and these antibodies. Yeah. So absolute waste of money. The best thing I would suggest if you want to know your sensitivities to certain foods is literally, like you said, keep a track of it, keep a food journal, see how you how you react to it, write mm-hmm. it all down. That's gold standard. The food mm-hmm. sensitivity test, the hair test, the fecal test, absolute BS. Yeah. And isn't it like the foods that you eat the most often are the ones that show up? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. So you're like, oh my God, I always eat almonds and I always eat peanut butter and I always eat, you know, celery and it's come up in my food sensitivity yeah. test. It's like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because <laughs> you always eat it. So can you actually like bring on an intolerance if you overeat a food? That's what I'm interested by. As no, well. no, no, no. Oh, okay. No, no, no. So I was yeah. just thinking, wait, maybe that's why avocados. No, to be honest, it's the, the opposite. Okay. So you can help improve your sensitivity to a food by introducing it more into your diet. Really? Generally speaking. That's not allergies, that's intolerances. Yeah. So can you give us an example of what someone could eat in a day if they're having gut problems? Like just 
breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm. Obviously, there's so many different things they could do. But what would you recommend? Or what do you eat? <laughs> okay. Everyone's different. So I don't think there's a certain diet to follow if you're having gut issues. What I would say is fiber is super important for people who have gut issues for everyone. But sometimes too much fiber can exacerbate gut issues. So if you're having gut issues, maybe having a look at your fiber throughout the day and making sure you're not loading up on fiber in one sitting and then not having fiber throughout the day for the rest of the day, for example, because fiber is like indigestible by a a part of plants. And and if your gut's already sensitive and it can't digest this food and it's kind of sitting there and then, you know, it ferments in the bowel and things. So have a look at that. Me personally, what I eat in the day, like... (laughs) I eat so random. Like I I don't really have certain foods or diet that I that I adhere to. I try to eat, you know, majority plant based foods, but at the moment my energy levels are quite low, so I'm actually having a lot of kangaroo. Um oh. which is super random. Yeah. Um, but it's actually the most sustainable sort of meat, so um and it's a pest in Australia, so yeah, eating it I like don't feel as terrible about it. Yeah. But yeah, I I genuinely feel like if I have a coffee in the morning do a workout, have something to eat and then have, you know, lunch is generally like potatoes and tuna. You, if you guys follow me on Instagram, you probably know I have like, <laughs> I probably have the same lunch every single day. It's super easy. I'm super lazy when it comes to food creativity. So it's potatoes and tuna, like baked potatoes. So, like- so microwave potatoes just like cut up. Oh my god, never done that. I'm it's gonna the do best that. idea. You, you honestly, you will never go back if you try it. Microwave yeah. potatoes, tuna, then a whole bunch of salad mix, um, corn, beetroot, roasted veggies if I got them. That's basically it. Yeah. And then I just chuck on barbecue sauce. Yep. Nice. <laughs> and then for dinner, it's it's just hit and miss. Sometimes I have the same thing as I have for lunch. Sometimes I have curries, stir fries, going out for grilled burgers I love. Sometimes I have like certain prepared, pre-prepared meals like macros um, or like My Muscle Chef or something like that. Yeah, I just, to be honest, the best thing I would do, suggest is just stick to simple foods yep. as much as you can. Yeah, go back to basics yeah. in a way. Would you like, say it would affect you if you have like a curry or something that has a bunch of different things in it. Is it good to kind of eat things separately and a bit more simply? I don't know. Um, not really. I would say that that's not really an issue. What I would say is curries are generally, you know, huge amounts of garlic and onion and things yeah. and sometimes coconut cream and things which might trigger people's issues. If you are having a flare-up, I would definitely suggest sticking just simple foods yeah. only just because they're just easier to digest generally than having a whole range of all these different types of foods which some people might be sensitive to. But generally speaking, like simple foods – yeah, they're probably better, but like also complex foods, like they're not going to be a detriment to your gut unless yeah. you're sensitive to those foods. I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on food combining. I've mm. never like... Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't yeah. know. There's no evidence to support it whatsoever. I don't even know how it come about, to be honest. Your body, your digestive system is smart. It's not going to look at one food and go, oh, I'm just not going to digest that. I'm going to digest the fruit first. Or, yeah. you know, we our digestive system is so, so, so smart and has a whole bunch of enzymes that are released at the exact same time to break down these all these certain foods. So whether that be you're having carbs and protein and fats the same meals or one carb and one protein the same meal like it's going to digest it regardless like it doesn't matter about the timing 
There you go. Because yeah. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, like, for gut issues, I've tried food combining and things. Mm. And, but then I've heard a lot of people say it's not good. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, interesting. Not, not worth it. A lot of effort to keep yeah. up with as well. Yeah. So, like, are there any foods that you should avoid when you're having, like, stomach issues? Like, even if you're not doing a low FODMAP diet, are there any things that you just shouldn't have? So let's say you're having a flare-up, for example. I would suggest not having caffeine yeah. because that's a stimulant for our gut and that can be irritating. So that can exacerbate the issue. Not having alcohol because alcohol not only does it have certain things in it that might, you know, exacerbate the issue, but also the whole alcohol as a whole is a stimulant and an irritant. Spicy foods can also exacerbate issues like that. So if you're having a flare-up, maybe stick to like plainer foods. Yeah. High-fiber foods like raw veggies particularly that can exacerbate issues or flare-ups. Yeah, there's not really a specific food. Sometimes fructose, like sugar. Sometimes sugar. I mean, that's a type of FODMAP. So, like, Uh, fructose is the F in the FODMAP. So, uh, like, um, no, sorry, no, it's not. That's fermentable. Fructose is a component of the acronym. So, like, I would suggest that maybe having a whole heap of fruit in one sitting isn't going to be best, but Mm. fructose as a whole isn't necessarily going to make the symptoms worse. Yeah. Onion and garlic are often a trigger for people who have irritable bowel syndrome, so potentially sticking away from those for a time being. Mm. But, yeah, try not to cut out certain foods just because you think it's going to help because Mm. at the end of the day, these, you know, onion, garlic – Apples, mangoes, they're all beautiful foods. They're all really great for us. We don't want to be cutting them out if we don't want to. Yeah. And so we talked a little bit about food diaries. So, like, could you tell me what some things are that you should keep track of and keep an eye on? Mm, Yeah. I love food diaries, but I love making them a bit more complex. So, like, not just writing down what you eat. Yeah. Writing down, you know, when you eat, how you feel, have you been, what the hunger fullness is. Like, have you eaten a meal after being super, super hungry? and then eating so much that you're absolutely stuffed full. Yeah. What symptoms you get after that food, whether you've gone to the bathroom that day, all that sort of stuff matters because, remember, irritable bowel syndrome is not just related to the food we eat. It's also how we feel, our anxiety levels, whether we've gone Mm. to the bathroom, all that sort of stuff can make irritable bowel syndrome symptoms worse or better. I know. It's really complex. Like I was saying to Alice last Tuesday, I ate sushi, which had avocado in it. And like I ate it, I was fine. Then an hour later, my stomach flared up and I had really bad pains, but I was also really stressed. So it's hard to know like what could have triggered it. So it's, it's good just to keep the diary and just keep an eye on it. And also I wanted to ask, how do you avoid overeating? Because this is something that I've struggled with in the past because I don't know, I've just made my portion sizes bigger and I love food and I just don't know where to stop sometimes. Yeah. So a couple of questions I'd ask is like why you're overeating. So some people just overeat because it's just delicious and food is awesome. Other people overeat because they have certain emotions that they're not attending to. So for example, if they're chronically stressed and they're using food as a way to reduce the stress then maybe reducing the stress or having other outlets is a way to stop overeating other things like if you're not eating throughout the entire day and then you're eating at dinner and you overeat then we need to look at okay we need to be eating during the day so we don't overeat other things like you know super eating super super quickly is another reason why people overeat so slowing down mindfully eating chewing your food putting a knife and fork down all that sort of stuff helps Mm -hmm. so it depends on the reason why you're overeating but i would say the first thing is make sure you're eating slowly make sure you're eating you know enough at your meals Mm -hmm. um, and just being mindful with your eating and and your portion sizes and things and actually checking in with your hunger and fullness cues yeah 
how do you know what is enough for you as well? Like I actually, what I did last week, which really helped was just halving my portion sizes. And then if I was still hungry going back and that helped, is there anything else you would recommend? it's hard because I think unfortunately a lot of people are not really in tune to their hunger and fullness these days. Like enough of them might be like, can't breathe sitting on the couch. Whereas some people like enough of them is like 80% full. So the best thing you can do is just become curious and, and, and kind of start recording it or start just listening more into your hunger fullness cues and just eating a bit slowly can help with triggering the certain hormones that help with our fullness Mm -hmm. and things. So yeah, I just, Bring some curiosity next time you're eating. Yeah. And so a symptom that I got from, I think, overeating, especially in the evening, is acid reflux. And we've talked a lot about that. So how can you manage acid reflux? From a food perspective, there's certain foods that trigger acid reflux. So like wine, chocolate, tomatoes, some like spicy foods as well, fatty foods. So you can do things to help prevent it from that end. Also, overeating is a massive trigger for reflux, particularly Mm. in the evening. If you're eating a huge meal just before you go to bed, then you're more likely to get acid reflux because you're literally just like that food is just like sitting there and Mm. like basically just being broken down. The acid comes into your esophagus and then you feel that burning sensation in like your rib cage. So that could be another reason. I definitely suggest though looking, you know, getting ahead of it because acid reflux isn't terribly great for us to have. Yeah, It feels pretty uncomfortable because can also result in some other kind of a mm-hmm. bit more nasty things down the track. Yeah. And I've also been told in the past that I have a leaky gut. And this is something I haven't asked you about actually, mm-hmm. but what what do you think a leaky gut is? And like, yeah, can you explain what it is and how to fix it? So it's not actually a thing. Like leaky mm-hmm. gut isn't a diagnosis. Yeah, it's a word that people came up with when, I don't know, I don't even know how it came about to be honest. But the concept behind it is like your gut is like basically porous and it releases toxins into your bloodstream which makes you feel crappy yeah unless for example you've got like celiac disease or ibd or something like that you're not going to have like your gut is pretty structurally good like it's not going to kind of become porous and release toxins into your bloodstream if your gut becomes porous and releases toxins into your bloodstream you're going to die so if you have leaky gut, you're dead. <laughs> really? It's not a thing. Unfortunately, marketing and trends have kind of taken that and run and just been like, oh, you know, have these supplements to help with your leaky gut. It's not a thing. It's not on the diagnostic criteria or the medical, you know, the, the medical books or anything like that. That is leaky, so interesting. Yeah, leaky gut and the symptoms you get from said leaky gut is something else. It's not leaky gut and you need to look into that. You know, it might be IBS, it might be celiac disease, it might be IBD, it might be something else. It might just yeah. be stress. So. I had no idea. I th- honestly thought it was a thing because mm, yeah. people talk about it all the time. Yeah. It's like, oh, I have leaky gut or like, you know, my leaky gut is causing this. And I'd be interested to see who diagnosed them with leaky gut. Yes. Mm. And so now I want to talk about like how stress affects your stomach. I know we've talked about this a little bit, but how, like, what's the science behind that? When we're super, super stressed, what happens is a multitude of things in our body. Adrenaline increases. We're more likely to like breathe less. We're our gut basically our parasympathetic nervous system or our rest and digest system is turned down and that can cause gut symptoms so generally speaking the more stressed you are the worse off your digestive system is i'm curious to see how my gut will be next week when i go away for a couple of days i'll be really relaxed and i'll probably have no issues yeah i was talking to a mate the other day actually and she was like every time i go on holidays my gut's fine but the moment i get back home the moment i walk through the door my gut is just like AWOL and I'm like dude it's because you're stressed like you you, you associate you know home yeah. with work and stress and you know errands and all that sort of stuff but when you're on holiday like 
you have nothing to do but just like sit in the sun and chill out which is pretty cool (laughs) well how would you recommend like decreasing your stress levels then well it depends on why you're stressed looking at it from an outsider's perspective and actually being like okay why am i stressed is it because of work am i not setting boundaries is it because i'm not sleeping okay well you need to sleep like is it because i'm over exercising okay reduce your exercise is it because i'm not exercising okay increase your exercise Mm -hmm. there's so many reasons why people are stressed but the best thing I would say is just look look at it from an outsider's perspective. Look at your lifestyle and see if you can change anything to complement yeah. your health and your well-being and, and go from there. There's so many different things you can do, though. Do you do any, like, mindful kind of things that help you? Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely do. With my irritable bowel syndrome, personally, I found that meditation and mindfulness really really helped i used to be someone who was like oh i can't meditate like i'm not no i'm too much of a go-getter that's a reason why i should meditate yeah of course i need to meditate of course i can't meditate because i'm a massive you know 100 million miles an hour person that's more of a reason i should meditate Mm -hmm. i need to calm down and these days like i meditate morning and night and you know it just means for me five minutes in the morning five minutes in the evening breathing diaphragmatic breathing slowing down my parasympathetic nervous system all that sort of stuff to get me ready for the day or to get me ready for sleep so I definitely do that but other things like I implement things throughout my day like just checking with myself throughout the day and breathing and things not being a hundred miles an hour I was talking to um to you Ella this morning like I feel like this week I've just not taken time to breathe and I've lost my keys two days in a row like (laughs) when I start losing things that shows me that I'm not present and I need to just slow down yeah Next time I see you, I'll ask you, like, did you slow down? <laughs> I'll hold yeah, you please accountable. Do, please do. Yeah, we all need to take breaks. I think that's the thing. Like, we don't have to always be on 100%. But, like, in today's society, it sometimes just feels like we always need to be productive and doing stuff because you just see stuff on social media. And you're like, oh, that person's doing that thing, so I need to be doing stuff. But you should take a break. Yeah. And journaling is another thing that can really help, isn't it? Definitely. You do that. 100% journal. Like, I, I used to be exactly the same. I was like, nah, I don't journal. Like, that's weird. But what I do every morning now is I just spend five minutes having my coffee and just journaling anything, brain dumping. How do I feel? What am I feeling? Like I have certain prompts that I have every week. So I make up a prompt every week and I always have that prompt written down in my in every day. So this week oh, it's that's a um, good idea. What do you love about your life today? I didn't even see that. She's got a whiteboard and it's like in the kitchen. Yeah, it's all my goals. Um, So what do I love about my life today? And that is just, if I have nothing else to say, I've just got my prompt that I always rely on. And then I change my prompt on a Sunday evening. And then for that rest of the week, I have a prompt. That is such a good idea. I'm going to steal that and do that. (laughs) Absolutely. It can be really hard to come up with prompts sometimes. Yeah. So I'm going to do that one. Um, and finally, for anyone who wants to maybe improve their like mental health and physical health, where is the best place to start? And like, what can a dietitian do for them? I am a massive advocate for seeking psychological support, whether that yep. be through a psychologist or psychiatrist. I see a therapist every fortnight at the moment, which I absolutely love. She's incredible and she's helped me really understand why I think certain things and why I have these boundaries and why I don't have these boundaries and, you know, why I have this huge expectation on myself. And that's really, really helpful. So I think if you want to improve your mental and physical health, absolutely psychological help is key. Also, you know, a dietitian can help you depending on the dietitian, like you can, they can help you with your diet, optimizing your nutrition. But if you've got gut issues, obviously helping with that front as like myself, I also help with, you know, 
looking into your whys and your lifestyle and your behavior and things like that to see if we can optimize that because obviously you know eating is just one component the the mental you know the reasons why you eat and the i guess the psychology behind eating is also really really helpful Mm. to understand because i could tell you what to eat but you know if you're turning to food for emotional support because you know you're super stressed and we need to address the stress because you're always going to turn to that food you know we need to address other things that we can do to help with that and also not turn to food maybe look at other outlets that we can turn to so yeah i think a dietitian can definitely help in that front and i think everyone should see a dietitian you know there's always something where you can improve on yeah in terms of our nutrition i mean it's my first time seeing a dietitian it's helped me so so much honestly mm. you're so so good so i've learned so much oh thanks Ella. <laughs> so if anyone wants to book in a consult with you how can they do that yeah so um so I work for Gut Started. You can, you can book in online. Um, just go on www.gut-started.com yeah. and you can book in a online consult through them or alternatively, if you want to book in a face-to-face, if you're like within the Sutherland Shire area, then I offer um, consults through Vitalis Family Medical Center, which is just a medical center at the moment. But yeah, that's basically how you can book in a consult with me. Yeah. If you want to find out whether a dietitian consult is going to be helpful for you, you're more than welcome to email me as well, which you can find mm. my email on my Instagram too. Yeah. And you guys have an IBS control program, don't you as yeah. well? Yeah. yeah. So the IBS control program is super, super good. So it's very thorough. We we talk about not just the food you know we talk about lifestyle we talk about how to go to the bathroom it's very very thorough and people are finding it so incredibly useful yeah. there's heaps of recipes as well and we have an instagram page got started which we post a whole heap of stuff and information on as well so the ibs control program is definitely something it's about the same price as a consult with a dietitian but you know you can do it in your own way on your own terms at your own pace all that sort of stuff which yeah. could be really handy for people who are super busy and can't book in a consult yeah, there's no excuses really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like plug your socials. I know you've talked about Got Started and the website, but like where can we find you? So me, I'm on Instagram as well. I'm Alice Bleefman underscore dietitian. My name is spelled. <laughs> it's like something A-L-I-C-E. B-L-E-A-T-H-M-A-N underscore dietitian. But I'm sure if you just write my name in, you'll be able to find me. Yeah, I'll link her in the show notes and I'll probably post about you on Instagram. But honestly, you guys have to go and check out a page. My favorite thing that you post is like those stories that you do on Fridays where you go through and like talk about the nutritional information on different foods. Yeah, food review Fridays. I've actually got to do one after this potty. So yeah, they're fun. They're a bit of fun. I think people find them quite useful. It's so interesting. So she'll literally just look at the ingredients and be like yeah this is good and like explain it yeah which is so so interesting but anyway that wraps up this episode thank you so much for chatting to us all about gut health and how it can affect both our mental and physical health and yeah thank you so much for helping me as well my absolute pleasure ella thank you for having me on and i'm super excited to be continuing work with you yeah and maybe you'll see me on on your vlogs yes (laughs) on ella's vlog sometime i did a vlog really recently where i was talking about like my first experience with going to a dietitian and what i learned and now like I want to do one where I talk about going on a low FODMAP diet. So at some point you'll be featured. You'll be in the vlogs. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe we can go supermarket shopping or something. (gasps) Oh my gosh. People love grocery hauls. Yeah. Okay. We're just brainstorming (laughs) here. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Make sure to go and follow me on my Instagram, which is just Ella underscore Victoria with two A's. And you can also follow the Inspired Mind podcast, which is just the Inspired Mind podcast on Instagram. I also have a 
YouTube channel you guys probably gathered because we're talking about my vlogs, which is Ella Victoria. And I think that is everything. But I hope this episode inspired you. Thanks again, Alice. And I'll speak to you guys in my next episode. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.